Welcome to What About Us, a podcast that discusses how policies affect rural Tennesseans. What About Us is part of the Tennessee Holler Podcast Network. Check out tnholler.com to see what else is going on with the holler all over the state. I hope you are enjoying my guests and topics. What About Us is featuring rural candidates for Tennessee State House and Senate races throughout the state of Tennessee. You know, we've been in the national news a lot lately and not for good things either. And our state has been in turmoil as well. Today, we're going to take a break from all the news headlines and talk about something that has been kicking around for quite a while, and that is marijuana, as in medical marijuana. Hope I got everybody's attention. <laughs> my, my guest is uh, Jarvis Turnley, running for state house representative in Dix District 66. Welcome, Mr. Turnley. Thank you, Ms. Rice. I'm glad to be here. Okay. Tell us about yourself, why you're running, and a little bit about your district. I'm, I'm a, a father of five kids, um, assistant pastor at my church, and I've always worked inside my community as well. You know, I also work on the, um, I work with the um, Robson County Foster Care Review Board. Mm -hmm. And, you know, my whole life has been based on helping others. You know, I always seen that if I helped others, I was, I was able to get my blessing in life. So, you know, and I always love to help children, youth, and the people of District 66. Mm -hmm. Well, District 66 is a rural, somewhat like a rural county. Mm -hmm. You know, we have a lot of farmland, teachers, and, and we have, you know, situations inside our district that I feel like that we all should come together on to solve. Mm -hmm. And the, the, what made me really run was that I got tired of seeing the people losing while politicians were winning. And it started hurting me to my core. And somebody told me, well, if you're fed up, then do something about it. Well, I said, I'm thinking about running. They said, that's a big step. I said, well, until somebody decides to run, we won't get no change. And so I decided, it took me two years and I decided to, well, let's run because the people need something different. The people need another option. Okay. What made you interested in legislation for medical marijuana, our topic today? Because I seen how um, the prescription medication, the uh, pres prescription opioid problem was destroying our communities from District 66 to all across the state of Tennessee. It was destroying us. And I was seeing how it was affecting families. It was taking families down through the ropes, you know, and the thing was with me, I seen a lot of doctors inside our legislature that was pushing uh, prescription medication, but then they wouldn't see in the needs of the medical patients. Well, I believe in medical freedom. You know, if, if we don't do things right, we must do things right with the medical patients. Let them have a choice to decide on whether they do want to keep uh, taking prescription opioids or do they want to have medical freedom and let them decide if they want to use medical cannabis. Mm -hmm. Well, in this state, they don't believe in that because I have to fool with a lot of medical doctors. So my fight was just for the medical patients because I felt their pain. I, I sit and listen to the stories and hearing about how when they was on pain medication, they were like zombies. You know, some of them would take five, six, seven, eight, nine, ten pills a day just for pain. 
But then when they said they snuck and took cannabis, they pain was relieved and they wouldn't like a zombie. And it made me realize that we have to start doing more of the will of the people than our own will as legislature. And 80%, according to a Vanderbilt study, 80, 81% of Tennesseans support medical marijuana. Yes, over 87% um, agrees that, you know, it should be legal. And I'm going with the people. I believe in if we say we serve the people, then if 87% of the people, 81% of the people inside our state says that they want it, then it's up to us at the legislature to do what's right and do the will of the, those 81% of the voters and, and do what's right and vote in, you know, some sort of legal medical cannabis bills, you know, because if we don't do the will of the people, then the people will start re rebelling against the leaders because they feel like they're lost. They feel like nobody is hearing their voices. And, you know, with 81%- They give up. They give up. And then so they start doing what these doctors are telling them to do. And then they start being more, being more, uh, being more needing of those prescription opioids. And they start taking them because they give up on life. So they start just taking more than eight, nine or 10. Now, now they're going to start taking 15 to 20. So, you know, the thing with me was that if you can't give them medical cannabis, at least show us how you going to stop all this uh suicides in our state with the opioid problem which they have not gave us uh, a legislation on that right so you know i stand with the medical patients um and we're going to talk about things happening uh or not happening in tennessee in a, a little bit but um it's it's uh kind of complicated so i wanted to just start with some definitions now we have we, cbd and we see all these little shops so I don't know if all the listeners know where that comes from. It comes from hemp. Mm -hmm. okay. um, and it can be grown legally. And, yes, in our state. Right, right. Do you have any farmers that are growing it in your district that you know of? We don't have uh, none that's growing it in our district right now. Okay. But it's something that I have talked to our farmers in our district about is about getting into the hemp business and growing it because we have a lot of, of farming and agriculture in District 66. Okay. So it would um, be a great thing for them. How about tobacco? Is tobacco grown? I, yes, I ma'am. Okay. Because some farmers are switching from uh, tobacco to hemp. So it's, it's kind of a fiber, it, and it can be grown legally since the 2018 Farm Bill. You know, um, the Farm Bill it, it lasts every three years. It's a lot of money, and it has lots of little things in it. But... Um, so hemp could be grown legally. It's the fiber and the seeds are processed um, into um, CBD in oils, lotions, et cetera, and is sold in the shops. So it was changed from a controlled substance to an agricultural product. The farmers can buy crop insurance. They can ship it across um, state lines. Now, um, this, this is, uh, CBD is nine non psychoactive. In other words, uh, it's very low levels of the components that cause a high in marijuana. Yeah. Okay, that's THC, um, capital T, capital H, capital C, and I'm not going to try to say that. <laughs> 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 I'm, I'm, 
but um, that's the high. Okay, but the CBD is uh, can have some health benefits. It's unverifiable and it really varies. Um, in fact, I have I have tried that myself, and I it, nothing. It nothing. <laughs> but some people some people swear by it. So so we have that. Then on the next level is the cannabis plant. That's marijuana. Now, many components are in that plant, and they vary and actually believe to work together for um, more therapeutic effects. So it has CBD, but also the THC that causes the high. Now, it's considered by the Federal Drug Administration as a Schedule One, along with LSD, heroin, and ecstasy. They're felt to be high abuse potential, but without therapeutic or beneficial effect. Now, the FDA has approved marijuana, the high THC, for um, several rare seizure disorders in children to control nausea and vomiting related to chemotherapy and the loss of appetite and wasting uh, related to um, AIDS. But otherwise, this uh, marijuana is illegal in the federal government. But 33 states and Washington, D.C. have legalized it for use medically. On November, uh, on the November ballot, Mississippi, Nevada, and South Dakota will be able to vote on it. Okay. So yes, if it's illegal, yes, yes, uh huh. It, so if it's illegal in the United States, how how can it be legal in all these states? States where it's illegal, I mean, illegal for medical use, and there are even some states for recreational. And we're not gonna we're not gonna go there today. Uh -uh. We got enough. We got enough. We got, to out. We got enough uh, today. Usually, state and federal laws, if they conflict, like the federal government says this is illegal and the state says it is, um, federal law, you know, wins. But yeah. the Constitution delegates police power to the state. So, by making marijuana use non criminal by state law, they eliminate state prosecutions of citizens under state law. So you can kind of get in the weeds with that, but there is a way to do it because yeah. 33 and possibly three more states, you know, can do it. So that's significant. I, I want to keep that in mind. Also um, on a federal level, they t tend not to want to prosecute marijuana. So like in 2013, the Obama administration, Department of Justice, said it would not interfere with marijuana operations that strictly complied with state laws. And they were going to just target things that obviously, you know, revenue that marijuana sale revenue that funded gangs, distribution to minors, moving across state lines, you know, using firearms in the in the growth of marijuana. I mean, just common kind of things. But but then um but then in 28, uh, the Trump administration, Department of Justice reversed that um, and said where state and federal laws conflicted, uh, where they conflicted, uh, people could be prosecuted. So I'm not sure if that means if that administration wanted to arrest everyone in 33 states that were using medical marijuana, they could, but they're not gonna. So we kind of have a law yeah. hanging around that's not, you know, doing anything. Okay, now yeah, we it's not happening. I don't know if that helps the discussion or not. But now we can go to Tennessee. Now let's let's go to Tennessee. And 
I talk about this all the time, but we have something in our legislature um, that we can't have a ballot initiative. Did you know that? Mm -hmm. Yeah. So these states that have things that a lot of people here would like, like Medicaid expansion is, is the biggest one, um, we can't do that. So even if everyone in Tennessee wanted it on the ballot, it couldn't go on the ballot. Nope. So um, it's a very uh, a paternalistic, you know. Yes, it's a really long shot. You know, they make it a long shot like that because if you don't put it on the ballot, you know, it's hard because they make, they, it makes the citizens and advocates have to work with the uh, leaders in the legislature in order to get it done. Yeah, Because yeah. if they don't put it on the ballot, Either you change seats in the election or you allocate with those leaders inside the legislature to get some type of bill done on it. So it's only two ways you can go yeah. if, you don't have, if you can't put it on the ballot. Well, after the election, I'm going to be working on that because I don't, I don't, you know, I actually have a quote from when they did this in the 80s that, that um, having the people make a decision is, is not democracy. They so, said about that. I don't know where he went to school, but <laughs> I thought they I thought they got elected to serve the people. You know, so okay. So anyway, getting medical marijuana in uh, Tennessee has been about a five-year battle. Most recently, in January of 2020, it passed through a Senate committee, but then they attached this little amendment. Yes. Called, yes. called a poison pill. Yeah. That means they kind of bombed it. They said, well, it had to be, FDA would have to change the designation. Yes, and, and see, what, what happened was with that, when it came, when it went through that committee, it went through the committee in which District 66 uh, incumbent was part of that, part of that, Sabi Kumar. So, you know, and he shot it down, he didn't want it. And he, and he made sure to do everything he can to fight against medical patients. Okay. Even did, he when, a, did he give a reason? I know he's a physician and... Again. He said that he didn't want people walking around hot okay. all day. Okay. And, you know, and my thing was, well, what you think you do, you're doing to the people when you prescribe them all these uh, prescription opioids? They're walking around like zombies all day. Yeah. So, you know, I, we didn't, you know, we didn't really get into it, but we agreed to disagree, you know, and everything. But I, and like I told him, I, I told him that, you know, I agree with what he's saying. Some people do take advantage of it. Mm -hmm. But if we start off with the medical, we're not, and we're not legalizing it for everybody. We start off small first, at least for the medical patients mm -hmm. who do want to use medical cannabis over being on opioids. You know, and it's it's a long shot in talking with him on it, but it's others inside the legislature mm -hmm. that will and wants to get it done for the medical patient. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Well, and it and it's kind of a catch twenty two because to change it on the federal level, which was this amendment, um, the attorney general, um, the secretary of health and human services, Congress, they would all have to decide, and um, probably they would need studies on the benefits of medical marijuana, but people can't study it because it's not legal. I mean, that's what I read. So let's talk about, so we talked a lot about um, 
the pros to legalizing um, medical uh, marijuana. You know, and you said pain relief without opioids. You know, if you, if you follow that, um, you had said that you felt that some of the doctors in the legislator, legislature were pushing opioids or they were just supporting that opioids. This is like um, Oxycontin and, you know, that type of thing. And, yes, you know, right. The other thing you look at, if you kept up with these drug pharmaceutical companies, they did us wrong. Yes, they did. Yes, they did. Yes, ma'am. They really did the people wrong when they when they did what they did. Where it wasn't going to be addictive, and it, it you know we just just I, I mean I feel like I was right in there with that too. They lied. They lied. Yeah. They said they it, did. It was better. It was better than you know morphine, and and uh, so now we're still reaping the results of all that. I, you know I don't know if medical marijuana is less expensive. I think it'd be less. I think it'd be. I think it'd be less expensive than the pain. Not so what so much expensive, but it'd be you know a, a lot less than the price. A lot of these uh, people have to go to the pharmacy and pay almost two three hundred dollars for a pain medication. Mm-hmm. Um, I've seen a lot of people who get prescribed opioids that goes to the pharmacy and get their pain medication has a high copay of almost a uh, hundred and some two hundred some dollars where without the insurance i can just imagine how much mm-hmm. the uh, the full price of the opioids would be you know and i think if it goes back to like you said if farmers start with the hemp with the hemp i've seen a seen a few a few uh medical patients that you know they they like the hemp not them use the oil and the lotion and stuff you know, I think it's all about the patient and the patient tolerance and the patient's uh, symptoms. You know, every patient has a different tolerance. You know, their symptoms are different. So it's all about finding the right products you need, such as hemp and CBD oil, to, to suit the needs. Mm-hmm. Well, the other thing is, you know, um, what if you don't have a doctor? What if you don't have any insurance? We we have a lot of those folks. Yes, we have and a lot of uninsured people in our state. Yeah. So, and what do they do if they can't, if they're in pain? Well, bad. a lot of they go out <laughs> and bad on the black market, mm-hmm. and and and, and, I, and that's what uh, is the cause of some of a lot of these suicides, because those who can't get it through a doctor. You know, they're going to bad in the black market where they're not knowing what milligrams they buying somebody and they're taking one or two, three too many and they winding up busting their heart open. You know, so mm-hmm. and, and we have a lot of people in our state who don't have insurance or some of them have insurance, but it don't cover the part that they need to get to get the services they need to live and survive. Right, right. Or even to um, even have testing and intervention to see the source of the pain or, you know, nerve, um, nerve pain is a big thing. Uh, you know, people, um, without insurance probably, uh, have a labor intensive job, um, yeah. high risk. I don't like to I call it unskilled because a lot of these things are unskilled. I mean, are not unskilled. It takes a skill, yes, um, but they get hurt and then they have pain and then they look for relief. Yes, ma'am. And they go out into the black market and they go buy 
you know, the prescription medication or anything that they go by, you know, things that they need to self-medicate because they didn't they can't get the proper services they need to live and and, and more on uh, be able to be uh, to cope in today's society. Mm-hmm. And a lot of people take it to heart because they can't get the things they need to live. So a lot of people they start doing some dangerous things to get what they need to survive. Now I've heard that the police uh, oppose um medical marijuana i mean is this this goes back to like being high too many people yeah the fear of that okay because they also because i think the police also oppose um this lack of any gun uh controls on owning guns background checks and things but that's kind of been ignored yes it's been ignored by the tennessee legislature (laughs) yes ma'am it's been totally ignored by our legislature and you know um you know uh the law enforcement comes up every legislative session to fight against the legalization of any cannabis bills whether it's medical or or the recreational which we're gonna get on recreation but you know they come up there to the legislature they fight against with those inside the legislature so you know it's once you get the, the, them coming in up on the side of legislation, uh, on, on the side of leaders, you know, you got a big uphill battle coming. Yeah. You know, so, and here lately, I know Nashville uh, district attorney said that he wouldn't be, um, he wouldn't be uh, criminal, uh, uh, putting, putting charges on people for small amounts of uh, uh, mar- uh, marijuana. Right. Mm-hmm. So, you know, it's just Nashville that done it. You know, and it, I ain't heard of no other oh, I thought, city that's, you know, oh. district attorney that's, that's doing it. But it's just Nashville right now. This, um, the Grand Funk, the, the district attorney, said that he wasn't going to prosecute the, the, the marijuana okay. uh, cases, small marijuana cases. So it, it, it's, th- it's starting out small. I think that what, what it is that when you got those in the legislature, a lot of people go in and they want it all, all in one. They want the medical and the and oh, the recreational, okay. and you you can't get them both. You have to start out small. You got to start out with the the one. Yeah. Yeah, that one. Like I said, I wasn't gonna go there. <laughs> <laughs> but it's just the truth because I heard from lawmakers on both sides, and you know, the ones that was against it, they they didn't want to. Do it because they felt like that people wanted outing when they wanted decriminalization. They wanted to get rid of, you know, prosecuting it all. Then they, oh. they wanted it all, but they wanted to take small steps. Okay. Those who did want it to fight for it, they wanted to take the small steps to start with the medical patient. Well, it stopped when it hit some of them uh, health committees and subcommittees. Okay. Well, I, I think it's kind of two separate things. I, I, let's talk a little bit about. Uh, criminal justice reform and decriminalizing um, marijuana. Um, You know, in 2018, according to the FBI, police officers made more arrests for marijuana offenses, mostly possession, than for any other drug. So more people are arrested for marijuana than any other drug. Um, You know, we we put a lot of people in jail in this country. Um, And so, and that's supposed to be a governor, one of Governor Lee's things is criminal justice reform. I haven't heard too much 
about that. That would certainly be a, a good podcast. But so, so let's let's talk about <laughs> just you know. I was telling Mr. Turnley this morning. I got up early, and I really, I, I love to research this podcast. I love doing this podcast. Okay, I learned so much because so much is out there. So, so let's talk about current laws in Tennessee. So, it possession of any amount is a misdemeanor, punishable by one year in jail and up to a twenty five hundred fine. Now, if you want to grow, cultivate marijuana, ten plants or less is a felony punishable by one to six years in prison and a $5,000 fine, the same as camping out on the Capitol steps. Um, and the penalties increase significantly for each additional plant being grown. So don't think you can get away with growing 20 plants and still pay the same thing. I'm not encouraging anyone to cultivate marijuana. May I just kind of say Me that? Me neither. <laughs> until, 2016, um, until 2016 in Tennessee, third and subsequent convictions for possession were felonies. So if you got caught, you got busted three times uh, or more. Again, felony. What else does felony equal? Not being able to vote for X yep. number of years. Yep. And, who, and who does this affect more and the protests? Young people. Young people. Young, young voters. Okay. Yes, ma'am. So three or more, you're, you're up to six years in prison and fined 3000 But in 2016, the legislature reduced that penalty to a misdemeanor. So people convicted of nonviolent possession of drugs would no long, longer suffer the stigma of a felony record. Meanwhile, um, two largest cities in Tennessee, I have met Memphis and Nashville, both, both passed ordinances in 2016 that gave the officer, um, arresting officer, the discretion to cha charge someone with a civil infraction for possessing small amounts of marijuana. Okay. Um, but then the legislature passed and then Governor Bill Haslam signed a bill that repealed those, those ordinances. So they were so Memphis and Nashville were trying to decriminalize. This is the misdemeanor. So we're still arresting a lot of people and still yes, talking jail time in Tennessee. And the other thing I thought um, was interesting, which is not a surprise to me, though, the ACLU uh, did a study and showed that um, African-Americans uh, were arrested at more than three times the rate of white individuals in Tennessee. Yes, despite the fact that both races consume marijuana at about the same rate. Yes, ma'am. So they 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 pile the prisons and jails up with young people, mm -hmm. you know, and they pack it up with African Americans. You know, I've had some friends and everybody, some friends in my lifetime that actually did more time in prison for marijuana than rapists and and, and murderers have done. Really? Oh. Yeah, so I actually feel that pain when it comes to talking about this issue right here because it's, it has affected my family. You know, we had Keita Haynes who ran for, uh, ran for, uh, uh, ran, ran this year. She was in prison for marijuana. Okay. When she came home, you know, and she, she was an attorney, she had an attorney. And she works with those on criminal justice reform. Uh -huh. Own it. So you know, it, it, it do. They do make a lot of money from it. And when they make a lot of money from it, they don't want to want to legalize it because it hurt their wallets and their purses. You know, who's, that? Who, who's hurt? The law enforcement. When when oh. the, if, if we ever 
legalize or decriminalize uh, medical uh, uh, marijuana, you know, in the criminal justice side of it, the law enforcement will lose a lot of revenue. Because if, if they uh -huh. make a lot of money on arresting and putting people in prison for what, if you take that at the situation, where are they going to make their money from? Yeah. It means they have to go out and do real work. Well, you know, our, our, our prisons are private. I don't know if all of them are, but a lot of them are. We have and a lot of private prisons. In what, what's the incentive for them to have less, fewer prisons and less people in them? So, instead of just throwing people in a cage, create, create some positivity inside these prisons. Give them something to look forward to. They throw them in cages all day, every day. Yeah. What you expect them to do? We need to have some programs that, you know, that, that teach, in the, uh, teach offenders on how to be more involved inside the community. Mm -hmm. Teach them ways on how to better their life, like education, you know, job-wise. Um, you know, a lot of them have, you know, problems with being being on opioids or being struck out on other drugs. Mm -hmm. What I found out in our prison system is that they just send them a throw them out and don't put no use, put no funds or anything towards rehabilitation. Right. I think a lot of the public um, assumes that they get some help in the prisons. They don't. And I, I have <laughs> family on the inside that get to tell me everything and when people say they get the help, I can figure out tell them they're lot. Yeah. You know, because so, I have people on the inside, you know, all across the prison, because it's something that's been done to me as criminal justice reform. Uh -huh. You know, so I've worked, I've talked to inmates in prisons and county jails and all of them saying the same thing. They throw us in here like animals yeah. and, and leave us in here to kill each other on the inside. Well, the other thing they need is, is uh, you know, health care and some rehabilitation for their problems. Yes, ma'am. And, and I think that is lacking. But it's not enough funds and not, and not enough programs to ensure that these uh, inmates and offenders get the rehabilitation they need to be successful. If they can't roll over, the, the offenders don't go back to what they know best, what they used to do. They got them in jail. Yeah, they got him in jail in the first place. Well, Mr. Turnley, we, um, after you're elected, we need to get back together and talk about prisons and government yes, plans. I'm going to, um, let's see, I always have an action plan for the listeners. I don't want them just to listen. I want them to, you know, get out, out there and do stuff. So always it's read, research, you know, talk to people. Um, yes, I mean, Yes, and then think about the people that you think about the people you know or have known who could benefit from medical marijuana. Um, have you been to other states where it's uh, legalized? And I have been, and to Canada, and um, I've never seen anybody that's high that I know of. I see drunk people. <laughs> yeah, I, I see a lot of those. You know, I don't see people that good that in states that have made it legal. I don't see people walk around just high and like like they proclaim people are. Right. You know, but well, you know it's it's prescribed. You still have to have for medical marijuana, you still have to 
have a prescription. Um, So there is a a control on that. Whereas you think about illegal drugs and alcohol. Yeah. And you don't, somebody doesn't get stopped and get their blood tested. And then unless there's trouble. Yeah. Yeah. And then I read somewhere where with alcohol, um, people want to fight and get violent. Yeah. A whole lot. (laughs) So, so alcohol is a, you know, could be thought of as a bigger problem, but, but we want people to ask their legislators, talk with their candidates. I'm saying after listening to us, Mr. Shirley, this morning, they could know more than the legislator. No. Yes. You know, yes. Just, by, just by this discussion today. So I love that. And not, don't forget their, your U.S. representative and senator because of the federal ramifications for this whole problem. Yes, ma'am. It's going to take a, it's going to take a style on all levels to connect in order yeah. to get, get it done. And tell them to listen to the people. You've said this. You said this from the beginning. Let patients and their doctors decide what's best. Yeah. And then get the citizens of Tennessee a doctor, for crying yeah. out loud, with yes, Medicaid expansion. Okay. Now, I get frustrated with the GOP um, on, on this phrase, which they have used to fight Medicaid expansion for, I don't know, 10 years or so. They don't want government and health care. They don't want government and health care. But here it is. They interfere with women's relationship with their doctors, a pregnant woman, and yeah. women of childbearing age with some things with um, family planning. So they're right there in the middle of that relationship. And here they are again. They're, they're standing between the patient and their doctor directly and then indirectly by not ensuring more people have a doctor. So, and then they interfere with people with health problems again yes, by they not do. having a doctor. So, you got you really have to sit down and talk to your candidate and talk to and get a feel on how this candidate's going. A lot of people, a lot of lawmakers in Tennessee, they bank our people not going to vote. To me, a great uh, leader is is working hand in hand with the people. In order to get things done for the people, you have to work with the people. So therefore, any bill that's coming inside the state legislature, bring it back to your district. You know, let the people know what's being voted on. Let them be a voice and impact on it. Well, in a lot of districts in Tennessee, a lot of us don't hear from our our leaders until this time of the year, election season. They're pumping money into it and all that. So, you know, I kind of wish our leaders would do more throughout the year, not just election time. Right. You know, because people feeling left out, and I was one of those people that felt left out. Right, right. Here. We also want to repra- replace criminal penalties with civil fines for possession. Let's get some of these folks, these kids, from going to jail. And yeah. uh, figure, you know, so, and then end the destructive and wasteful war on marijuana. We have a war on drugs that's not going so well, but let's stop picking on marijuana. <laughs> Yeah, we need people like you. Um, I'm, I'm fighting and doing what I can. All right. Do you have anything to add, Mr. Turnley? Um, 
like you said, you pretty much covered everything that I wanted to cover. Like, I would want the citizens to know, just stay on your lawmakers. You know, go 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 to trackbill.com, Tennessee. See what bills that your, your leader has voted on, sponsored or co-sponsored. That'll help you know leading up to election if you're doing a job but you need, need to replace that leader with someone else. I think the more the people be more in more contact with the leaders, the more we'll we'll get a lot more done. Yeah. You well, know, I so. think yeah, I think that that our low voting rate just indicates um, two two or more things. One, the effectiveness of discouraging voting the people's input into the laws made here people people give up i've been i voted and nothing, nothing changes nothing happens for me the rich get richer and the poor get poor and, you know so so uh, we need some change we need some true change here in, in in the great state of tennessee and i hope this election turns out that we can get some type some leaders in with change it'll be a great start leading up into 2022 and you know, regardless of the ending of this election, no matter what, I will always serve the needs of the people of District 56 and the great right. state of Tennessee. Right. Well, and uh, I want to say that Mr. Turnley is another homegrown candidate with the Tennessee uh, Democratic Party's Rural Caucus. So I don't know what we're up to. We're adding people all the time. Maybe, maybe there's 20 or so of y'all where we feel like. Even if you don't live in Mr. Turnley's district, you can support him and um, you, you can support him and you can work for his candidacy by doing, I don't know if you're doing postcards or phone banking or whatever, because in the rural caucus, we feel like any of our candidates win, it helps us. Like I don't have anybody running against my representative. So sent you a donation this morning. Did you see that? Yes, ma'am. And I thank you so much. <laughs> I thank you so much for your donation. I was going to tell you that before we got off, I wanted to make that the last thing I said. How do we, how do people donate to you, Mr. Turnley? Um, you can donate to my, uh, I have a, a website. It's, it's uh, votejarvisturnley, district66.com. Or, you know, I have an AgBlue account. Okay. At Jarvis Turner at Blue Account. Great. Thank you so much for being here. And I thank you so much for reaching out to me and allowing me on this podcast. And again, thank you for your donation. And most of all, thank you for being giving the rural candidates uh, a platform of voice. Okay. Uh, my pleasure. Okay. This has been uh, Sandy Rice with What About Us talking with District 66 candidate Jarvis. Turnley about medical marijuana in Tennessee. What About Us is part of the Tennessee Holler Podcast Network. Please go to tnholler.com, take a look around, and make a donation. We are people powered. We'll see you next time.